Welcome back to another episode of Beneath It All. This is your host, Suzanne Gouries. And today, the guest that I have featured on my podcast, you probably know his name. His name is Nigel Hayes, a former men's basketball player at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. We talked about his experience of playing overseas, being exposed to different cultures, but also the inspiration behind his clothing line, Wise God. Stay tuned to hear more. Now, I really want to talk about your journey overseas. I mean, if people know you were just in Lithuania, um, how many different countries have you played in? Uh, well, I've played in as a member of a team, too. Last year, I was in uh, Istanbul, Turkey. And okay. then this past year, of course, I was just in uh, Konis, Lithuania. But games I've played in. Uh, I don't know. It'd actually be easy for my mom to answer this question because every country I go to, I bring, I buy a souvenir for her from the country that I went through. So she could just count them all up and let you know. But I would say, uh, what did you say, my 20? 20 some? 20 more or less? Wow. 20 different places. That's crazy. So, yeah. My brother traveled to different like, to so many different countries. So he can definitely relate to you on that. And I definitely, I want to be able to travel after I'm done. Or once I'm even playing overseas, I want to be able to travel and see the world. What are some things that you've learned about different cultures as you, as you've been embedded into them, you know? What's one thing you took away from? Uh, just uh, like one, the obvious, like you said, cultures are different, yeah. very different, especially than uh, America. Like America is the most like, you're looking on a scale. It's like most people are in this little area and then America's way over here. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is fine. It's okay. But like in, uh, in Turkey, you know, they're a different religion and being uh, practicing Islam and being Muslim. So, you know, the way they just conduct life itself is different. Um, one thing I noticed, so one of the things I've noticed the most about when I was in uh, Istanbul was how, you know, nice and over the top people go to like be hospitable, you know, and take and take care of you. Like it's one of those things where in America, when you have like, let's say you go out to eat and you have good service, good food service, restaurant service, like it's like you definitely always remember, you know, oh my gosh, the service there was so fantastic. But like in Turkey, that was everywhere you went. You know, every time you went somewhere, every time you did something like people were you know, it's like they were doing their jobs like with a smile and with a purpose. Like this is my job, and I'm gonna be the best at it and do the best. Whereas sometimes in America, you see like people just be working jobs just to get a check, and they don't really care. You know, right? If you know, what I'm saying like everybody has an experience of going somewhere mm-hmm. and being like, "Damn, I ain't do nothing to you today." <laughs> but you know, like in Turkey, in Turkey, it was very, very nice and. But and then Lithuania was more so, it's like closer to uh, America than uh, Turkey was, you know. In, in Lithuania, it was like, you know, small, a small American city, you know, pretty much. Uh, not all the same, you know, quirks and stuff like that as America has. Um, but for the most part, it's more or less the same. You know, quiet, you know, um, people work. Uh, uh, they love the basketball team, which is great. Yeah. And, you know, they just go about their, uh, their business. So as you went from Turkey to Lithuania, what were some things that you had to kind of adjust to in terms of culture? Because they're obviously different, you know? Um, 
to be honest with you, not to brag, nothing really. I can adjust to all situations pretty You're easily. Adaptable. The only thing I had to, yes, the only thing I had to adjust to was the language, mm. uh, which Lithuanian is very difficult. And yeah, so that was the only thing I had to uh, to adjust to really was that. Oh, also people drive, let me say it this way, people drive more sensible in Lithuania than Turkey. In Turkey, you see some driving where, ooh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just <laughs> driving in Turkey would make you a better would make you a better driver for sure. Like people in Turkey, like I love the way they drive too. So this isn't an insult, but it is difficult to adjust. Like I had some friends come over and my girlfriend was there with me. Like they people were scared to drive. Like the bros when they came, like, you know, Riley, Vito and them, Jordan, they came to stay with me. And they were terrified to drive because it's like watching it happen. Like people like two cars going down the opposite way, down a one way. <laughs> you got two cars doing that. You what? got people reversing down the highway in, in rush hour traffic. I mean, you got a two lane street and it's four cars trying to go down it. They're like, everything is cool. Like everybody get to where they gotta go. And like everyone's like, and Istanbul, that's one of the things too. That's very different. Istanbul is there's so many people like, there's like 22 million people in the city of Istanbul, wow. which is crazy. So like everything is like fast paced. Like you go to the grocery stores, like you checking out, like you racing, like they scanning your groceries. And then like, as soon as you're done, they don't even let you bag your groceries. They just start scanning the next person's stuff and sliding it into your stuff. And yeah, so the, the, the pace of life is much faster in Istanbul. Cause again, there's just so many, there's so many people, which is like, funny because like the pace of life is super fast but when you go to restaurants that's when it slows down like people go to restaurants and they drink tea all the time like everywhere you go someone's offering you tea and people so sit and they just drink what was that what's your favorite kind of tea now that you've been like around tea so much you know? my favorite i don't like tea really i only, i drink this uh i think it's yerba mate or yerba mate i think it's mate i don't know <laughs> but this yerba mate, I only drink it before my games because it's supposed oh. to be like a uh, a good, healthy source of like caffeine and stuff. So you don't have to take an energy drink or something like that. Okay, okay. But other than that, I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. So. Well, speaking of basketball, how did you transition to playing, obviously, college athletics to playing Euro basketball? Like, how was that? Um, was it different in terms of like language, playing style, pace? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, no, that's, that's an easy transition. If someone went from college to EuroLeague, that'd be easy. Like the hard part is going from like my time that I was in the NBA going to EuroLeague. Cause those are like two completely different games. Like NBA is here, EuroLeague is here. And like NCAA is closer right. to being like, like EuroLeague. Cause EuroLeague uses the same rules as college does. So it's pretty much the same thing, except obviously guys are just, better because they're professionals and then you get paid but so that difference isn't really hard but the 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 thing i like to tell people is like a lot of uh, americans don't understand how you know how hard your league is especially compared to uh the nba and for the most like most part of it is like there's a lot of guys in your league and i'm definitely including myself that could play especially now after my past season, I can play in the NBA and do just fine. Like, for instance, uh, Nikola Miritich, I'm sure you know that name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
he plays in Euroleague now. Mm. He plays in Euroleague now, and he chose to go there. So it's not like like NBA teams were trying to offer him, you know, millions and millions, and he went. He chose to go to yeah. Spain and play in Euroleague, and you know, and he's like great over there. But like, it's it's just hard to play basketball. So like, a great game in Euroleague is like like if you have a great game, it's like you had twenty points, mm. and everyone's like, oh my gosh, he scored twenty points in the game, you know, in the NBA, people get 20 points in a quarter. Or, you know, there's like five people on the team that had 20 points at the end of the game. Yeah. But, you know, in EuroLeague, it's like, it's like I tell, like, the guys when they see that I had a game on Twitter and they say, how'd you play? And I'll be like, I played great. And they're like, what'd you have? I'll be like, I had eight points and three rebounds. But, like, you right. know, that's just how funny that is. To be like, somebody, like, you ask a Hooper, you had eight points and you played great? Right. Like, like what? what? You ain't drop no buckets. That's what I'm. That's for right, exactly. But eight points in Euroleague, but that's a lot. Right. It's right. hard to get them eight points. So that's just really the difference. Like it's just it's a lot harder game, which is why you see um the Europeans that come over and like Luca, like obviously he's a special talent, but like special. you just see like his comments. You see his comments about like just how easier it is and how Euroleague for him was tougher because of the rules being like college, like everyone's packed in the paint. Everyone plays like each possession is like the final four in college. Like that's the best way to explain how people love like how hard it is. Yeah. Yeah, The atmosphere, every, every early game is like, it's like a legit do or die game. Mm. Like there's no, there's no place taken off. There's no games taken off. It's like, and you got a coach that's cussing you out and, well, my coach can cuss me out of six languages, but most of these other coaches, they cuss you out if you two feet out the wrong spot. So that's funny. It's yeah, it's just an overall for you though. Problem. You know, in terms of adjusting your game style, and obviously, I know in college we talked about this too. For like, you weren't really a good shooter, but now you're you're a solid shooter. You can shoot like me now. You can shoot like me, but almost, <laughs> almost, almost. Um, what do you think? Um, was a struggle for you in terms of your game? And also, like, what did you think you, you did really well in the Euro League? Uh, this, well, this year, obviously, because it's only my first year. Um, but just adjusting to my coach and the way that he wanted us to play. Okay. You know, because it's a, uh, like, he has a, a system and he knows the talents of, of his players. Yeah. Because he's a, he's a genius, honestly. Like legit, he's a, a genius. I mean that in every sense of the word. He's a definitely genius. But he knows his uh he knows the players and what we can do. But he has to like make ones on the same page as a team. And mm-hmm. he knows the he has a system in place. And in order for that system to work, the players have to, you know, buy into the system and do like what is asked of them within mm-hmm. his system. So for me, the like the first like six months was me trying to figure out, oh damn. What you want me to do? And then so like then it finally, you know, I finally figured out what I needed to do and more or less of it. He finally started to like, you know, trust me more and like let me do more. You know, so it's kind of like it's like both sides of that. And what did you what did you, you figure out you had to do? What did you have to master? Uh I mean it starts with like for him, it starts with just he always like he always pe- preaches being aggressive, which is something I love because I've never had a 
I've had a couple of coaches, but like this one really like emphasizes, like he always yells, like you have to be aggressive. Like I know I said do this, but you have to be aggressive. But it's weird because when you try to be aggressive, if you don't score, you're coming out. Mm. So So basically I got better at putting the ball in the rim more. And once I put the ball in the rim more, like everybody say, you make the shot, they can't say nothing to you. Can they? They can't wrong. Wrong. Because oh. this coach is still cuts you out if you make the shot. Oh. So, so then what does he want? What's yes. He? I mean, I don't, like really it was just me utilizing my uh, ability to be able to play in between, mm. you know, because he had me at two positions on the wing and then at the power forward at the four. Okay. So it was just knowing in games, like, who's guarding me? Yeah. And, like, what should I be doing? And, like, a skill that I've really had to work on was, like, you know, catching or attacking closeouts yeah. when the ball swung off the dribble, like, and, you know, just making quicker decisions. So I, I gotten better with that over the season. I'm able to see who and understand who's guarding me, and then I make quicker and better decisions. So me getting that, you know, base of understanding and making quicker decisions was – uh was something that helped me score better, which ultimately let him trust me more and, you know, stop getting on my case as much. Right. And then, you know, I was able to play better from there. Okay. How was the film sessions? Were they um, a little bit different? Yeah. I want to learn more about that. You know. Uh, This film set, like I said, in Europe, though, like in Europe is like what I mean by other style. Like Mm -hmm. the coaches, like, they break film down and talk to you. And sometimes it gets borderline, like, disrespectful. And then sometimes it gets really dragged on. But, like, well, at the beginning of the year, we were losing. We had, like, a nine-game losing streak in EuroLeague. So, like, those film sessions was, like, whole game, every possession. And then, like, it's, like, one of them ones where, like, you remember your parent and somebody asks you a question, but you ain't supposed to answer it. Cause you know you did wrong, but they make you answer it anyway, right. just so you can get all that. Like that's like the way he was, he was going. But like, yeah. I, like I said, I enjoy them when I tell too. Like I love him, but like his film sessions were like, you would do something, and like let's say Suzanne had a turnover, and he'd just pause it and look at you and go, "What were you thinking?" Damn. <laughs> and you'd just be like, I don't know. He'd be like, "Why were you thinking that?" Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I like, like one time I remember I made a pass, right? I caught the ball and I threw a low bounce pass. So it would bounce high. So okay. it bounced high to my big man. He caught it above his head on the little guy behind him. He turned and did a jump hook and he scored it. So in film, he shows it and he looks at me. He goes, now, Nigel, was this a good pass? And I just stop and go in my mind. I'm going, yes, he what? caught the ball and scored. But I'm sitting there thinking, no. And the answer is no. I was like, yes. And then he said, no, of course not. And I'm like, how? And then as he's showing it, I catch the ball. And he, he said, why would I throw a bounce pass to a big? But he liked the coach, too. Or like, he hates when people have a, I wouldn't call it an excuse. Like, if you say anything back, he goes off even more. So it's better to just, like, let him yell. And he'll cuss you off for 10 seconds. But if you say something, it might turn into a minute of mm. getting cussed out. So you might just keep- so I just sat there and like, I was like, all right, whatever. But after we was all talking about it, and I'm like, dang, 
coach was, or I was talking to the guys, I said, was that really a bad pass? And they was like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> like, I threw the pass. He caught the ball above his head. So it's the same as if I just threw a high lob pass. Right. The ball went right above his head, and he, and he scored. Maybe he's so I'm confused. I was, around just... I was questioning <laughs> I was questioning life walking to practice. Like, dang, was that a good pass? Can I can I pass? I'm dead. Am I good? Man, that's how I beat over him. Well, speaking of passing, like I said, he's great. Um, I know Kobe Bryant was a big, big, big inspiration for yours of you. You know, and his passing was tragic. You know, how was that? Hear about that while you were playing over. Overseas. It was crazy because we were uh, chilling and one of my teammates was going through his Instagram and then he found some like, there was some like fake account he showed me, like one of them like, you know, accounts that just be posting stuff. Yeah. And it said Kobe had died in a plane crash. And I was like, that's a sick joke for someone just to post that, you know, for no reason. And then like the dinner went on and then he found another one and it was like a news station or something. Or then it was TMZ and I'm like, wait a second, is this real? Mm-hmm. And then like, as the night went on, we found out it was real, and it was just like, you know, it was really, uh, it's crazy. You know, very, I, I think everyone says the same thing. It's just unbelievable, mm-hmm. really. And it's just like the manner in which it happened, which is what makes it so unbelievable, I think, mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Obviously, him being so young, freshly retired, and all the great things he was doing and about to do, yeah. you know, he was still a presence in the world in NBA, even though he was retired. And just for it to be like that in a helicopter crash, you know, I think was really which made it unbelievable for people to go really the same helicopter he rode every game with for how many years and all that stuff. And for that to happen. So, you know, it's just very uh, unfortunate. But, you know, maybe it just takes things like this sometimes for, uh, you know, people to appreciate things maybe a little bit more and, you know, give people the flowers where they can still smell them, you know? You No, Naj, you're right. You're so right. It, it, it's so sad because, like, he was such an impact on the world, man. Even, like, WNBA, he was becoming a big presence, and him and Gianni would always go to the games and, like, support. But he had an impact on just the world, not even just basketball. It was beyond that. When I heard about it, I was actually in Gordon's dining hall with my friend, getting some food. And... My brother texted me, like, y'all, y'all see what happened? Because he's a big Kobe fan. He used to live in L.A. too. And he said, y'all see what happened? No, I ain't seen nothing. He sent me a tweet. I say, wow. And that's when everything started really flowing. People really started talking about it. I was, I was, I was devastated. Like, very young, very young. Yeah. Had a life to live. Yeah, that's and, crazy. To think just life. A just lot to like do that. as well. Yeah, a lot to do, a lot to do. You know? It's just like, dang, man. But. Um, hopefully people can realize lift for today and not tomorrow. Because all we got is exactly. you know? That's, so, that's all you got. That's all you got. Shoot. Now you're, so we're going to live for right now. How about that? <laughs> right. Um, you've also started a clothing line, which you, you're wearing right now, called, what is it called? Wise? Why? Wise God. Wise mm-hmm. God. I, I just forgot. Wise God. Right? When did you start that and what inspired you to do it? I love it. Uh, I think it was May first, twenty nineteen. I was sitting in my uh, at my kitchen table in my apartment before practice in Istanbul. Okay. And I was like, 
because Jordan was talking, I think Jordan was talking about closing for a while because he wants to start his own line. Right. And I was like, you know what? Why not do it? And then have it with a message, you know, the meaning behind it and everything. And so I was just like, what can I do? And then, so I sat there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to think about it. So I went to practice, came back, and then, like, I just was searching how to create uh, my logo and what I wanted the clothing to be about. And I sketched, like, uh, like 18 different styles of shirts and, you know, and then I was just texting my family and a couple of the bros about the idea. And then, yeah. you know, we just went from it there. And, you know, so it was great to be able to see something that, you know, was in your head. And then, you know, it come out into life. And now, you know, you can see it and touch it. And now other people yeah. are able to experience it and, and all that. So it's it definitely a, uh, a great, a great feeling to have that. But, you know, it's something that uh is continuing to grow and you know just spread the word and you know like uh, everything takes some time to grow you know duck can't let um you know small sales are not as many sales as you thought discourage you because yeah you just look back and because one of my uh friends here ricardo he's uh he's really into fashion the streetwear stuff and he sends me some articles and you just see like for instance like off-white how long it's taken you know, that to actually become what it is now. Like, like most people don't even know that Off-White came from a company that Virgil started that went under because it wasn't doing so good. So he changed the whole name of it and then started something else. And that took like another eight years for it to, uh, for it to come up. And, you know, it definitely helps his brand start when you work with Kanye West. So, right. you know, that definitely hopes as well people you know just look at other streetwear brands like they start from you know do passing out shirts like i got this shirt you know eight ten years later now his, his shirt five hundred dollars on resale because people going crazy for it so you know you just got to start small not that that's what i'm trying to get to but just to say that you know the quote-unquote success of something yeah. isn't you know overnight like that you brought a, a point in the beginning you said um what's the meaning of wise guy first off because I want you to elaborate on that. And then two, you know, starting small. It's important to, to start small and then get bigger, you know, the sales and start reaching out to people. So first off, what is the meaning behind why it's God? The meaning behind why it's God is just uh, <clears throat> like letting people know and realize like that they could refer to themselves as, you know, you're the God and ruler creator of your universe. So each one of us has our own universe and world that we live in because whatever I go through, you will never experience the same thing I do and I will never experience the same thing you do. And within your world, you know, like, you know, the same like law of attraction, uh, speak what you want to happen, you know, how you can put things into place with your mind and how you control your thoughts and all that. So, you know, just in Suzanne's universe, you know, you can be the God or if it makes you like women, you know, goddess, you can just say God period. But of your, universe and what you do and you know you can create a better world for yourself which will make a better world for you know the people around you so that's really you know the message that uh that the clothing is trying to trying to spread of you know making people just realize the power that they have um over their lives as individuals and to take control of that and get the things you know that they want and desire Nigel, i literally love that I can't wait to get me a shirt and some shorts. I cannot wait to see. Thank you. Well, you don't need no shorts now because it's snowing. 
You're right, but I'm gonna use them for the summertime when I'm well. If we do have a summer, which we, we will. ain't no ain't no summer. <laughs> I know we are gonna make this summer, summer cancel. Oh, this is wild. I'm so annoyed, but I'm definitely gonna support because I want. I love the meaning behind that, and that's something that I value so much. Everything that you spoke. Also, I found on your Twitter too. You have like a little. I don't know. Let me just look. Show you. You have. Can you see my screen? It's, I can't see nothing on that screen. It's super blurry. Okay, so basically what it says here, it says, what you wear says who you are without having to speak. Um, and he said, oh, yep. wise God will speak well on the on your behalf. I love that. That, that I was like, let me, let me just copy and paste that onto my iPad. <laughs> but that's, Thank you. Thank you. That's, 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 is that also part of your meaning too as well? Like you want people to express how they who they are? by wearing these artifacts. Right, right, that's that's kind of what I wanted to, to know, you know, as soon as the clothes you wear, you know, say things about you and present yourself, you know, before you do. And that can go good or bad or unfortunate. I mean, you can think of it as a, uh, you know, if you put yourself back high school or junior high, you know how kids will get made fun of for clothes that they wear. Right. And you know, like that, so as soon as you, walk somewhere somebody make fun of you for the brand you have on and then you could go to the other side is if you have a you know name brand clothing on and people make assumptions about you you know with that as well they go oh he got on she got on this you know they must be this that and the third so people you know make assumptions about you based on what you wear right. um, before you even you know introduce yourself or speak so mm. the same thing i'm thinking you know the vision i have for my clothing brand is that people will understand that like, okay, I know the message behind the person who's created this and what he wants for it. Yeah. And the fact, and now that I know that and I'm wearing it means that I have an understanding and I'm aware also of what, you know, the vision is of that. And then we can walk together, you know, everyone who, you know, who wears a brand will understand and see that and we'll all, you know, walk to a more, you know, enlightened, more powerful, you know, society of people who think and control their lives and whatnot. Nigel, I love the brand. I love the vision that you have for this. This thing gonna definitely blow up. I cannot wait to see it happen. I'm already speaking I already know. So thank you. Do you see yourself being in the fashion world? Maybe being like in the white in the I mean I I would I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it. Not at all. Um but you know I just think that my uh I would just have to learn more, you know, and understand more about how it works as, you know, the more time I spend with the brand and the, mm -hmm. the more that it, de it develops um, to see it in that, in that like, cause you know, I kind of have the idea of what I want and, you know, each time, you know, I come up with a new shirt design or I look at something else, you know, I think, okay, like here's a path I was going down, like a little that way and a little that way. And then, you know, eventually I'll get on that road to where like I, I go down, but you know, as of now, I'm just learning about it all and, learning. you know, taking it in. I'm not really the best at it because my fashion style is so simple, you know. Uh, hey, I ain't mad at you. You don't need to be too complex, okay? Fashion is Right, right, right. Because I'm, I'm very... But I don't know. That ain't what... Fashion is very complex, though, as you no, see no, from no. Uh, the way other people wear no, things. No. It could get real, real ex uh, eccentric. That's true, Nigel. That's real. Nigel, I mean, I'm so thankful that we got to speak today. Got to learn more about the culture you. that you've been in, you know, fashion, Brian, all that. Thank you.
Thank you again for being on my podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me.